0: I'm Megan Martin with Wrong Kind of Christian Podcast. How are you all doing today? I am really looking forward to our discussion today because it has such a connection to our society right now, and it's something that I think about often. But before we get to that, though, I wanted to let you all know that starting next week, we'll be moving into an in-depth study of the book of Ruth. There are only four chapters, so we'll cover it all in one month, and I'll talk more about why Ruth next week. But I studied it earlier this year on my own, and I just really came to see it as a great love story, not just a romantic love, though there's definitely some of that in there, but a real love story amongst people. Anyway, we'll start that study next week. It'll be a lot like our Hebrew study in the past, so you can totally do this study with me. It's easy to listen to if you're listening while commuting because I will read all of the Bible verses as we study. Or you can grab your Bible and follow along with me, jotting down some of your thoughts as we study, especially if you're a Bible journaler like I am. Go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on whichever podcasting platform you're listening on so you don't miss out on the study as it becomes available each week. And don't forget, if your Apple device has recently updated to 14.5, you may need to go back, follow again, and then change your settings to allow for automatic downloads of all of your favorite podcasts. Okay, so for this week's talk, I know the title sounds like a great thing, doesn't it? When God gives us what we want. I'm not so entirely convinced that that is a good thing, though, and I'll tell you why today. If you follow me on my social media accounts, mostly Facebook or Instagram, you probably know that I've been studying the book of Judges during my Devo time. And man, if there ever seems to be a group of people who just can't figure it out, it's the Israelites, right? But I have to remind myself all the time, like, I can't judge them. I mess up all the time, too. And, you know, I I can't judge someone else for messing up, too. But I can try to learn from their mistakes. So that's what we're going to do today. So I've been reading and studying. And time after time, God sends them a judge, right? I mean, it's the book of Judges. So we'll talk about what that word really means in just a second. But Israel does well during that judge's life, and then they fail. Wash, rinse, repeat. My whole life, I've thought these judges were people who judged the people of Israel. I kind of had it in my mind that they were like Judge Judy, I guess, sitting up on a bench, you know, listening to two sides of an argument, and then whatever they say goes. And while that is somewhat true, that's not all that there is to these judges. The Hebrew term here is really much broader than like that one singular meaning that I have associated with it. It's really more of like a ruler connotation. So when we change our mindset from a judge, a person who makes verdicts, to a judge, a person who rules, then we can get a better understanding of what these judges were really all about here in this book of Judges. So what do we know about rulers of the past? They were decision makers for sure, right? They were also very involved military leaders often in the thick of the battle with their armies. And why is that so important to know? Well, for many reasons, when you're reading the Old Testament and seeing where these rulers were having like quote unquote failure moments, but specific for this book of Judges, often the judges were raised up out of the people of Israel to help Israel overcome another nation militarily. So when I think of it like this, it really expands my vision of Israel's wash, rinse, repeat history for me. And it ends up looking more like this. God takes care of Israel by providing a solid leader, someone that they can follow. And Israel does really well during the life of that leader, but then the leader dies. And Israel begins to have wandering eyes, looking to other nations and wanting what they have because, you know, that life is really pretty and looks pretty sweet. So they turn away from God and they embrace the culture that's surrounding them. God allows another nation to have some say over the Israelites as a way of getting their attention. Israel cries out to God. He hears them and raises up another judge. The cycle repeats. And with that kind of process in mind, we have just made our way through, you know, very generically, mind you, Judges chapter one through nine. But then comes Judges chapter 10. And the beginning of Judges 10 isn't all that different from chapters one through nine, but then something new happens. God tells the nation of Israel, no. He tells them, no. Instead, he tells them, you've been looking to these other gods. Go ahead and turn to them. Let them save you. You know, I actually really hate it when God gives me what I think I want. My decisions are often selfish and self-gratifying, thoughtless of like big picture consequences. But let's read what happened with the Israelites I'm starting here in Judges chapter 10, verses 6 through 14. Again, the Israelites... Stop right there, right? Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. Pause right there. That's a lot of gods, right? Okay, let's continue. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him... He became angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years, they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead, the land of the Amorites. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. Israel was in great distress. Then, (laughs) then, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. And the Lord replied, When the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Moanites oppressed you, and you cried to me for help, did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble." These may seem like pretty harsh words. I mean, they, they kind of come across that way, but I think we have to remember that God is a just God. He's not an enabler, and he's not blind to the reasons behind our actions. He knows our true desires more than we do even. And sometimes when we continuously pursue those desires, even when they're not on target with his will, he will give those to us. And he allows us to go through those things because he can work all things for good and he knows that by allowing us that time of rebellion, we will see that l- what we wanted really isn't all that it's cracked up to be, right? It's this idea of wanting what others have so badly that you change who you are at your core, it's not just limited to the Israelites of the Old Testament times and the Christ followers of today. It's pretty much a theme across life. It's kind of what spurs us on as people. And, you know, it's a really good theme across life. We see it in movies all the time, although, you know, the outcome isn't ever focused on God, but just a general sense of accepting who you are in life. As I was preparing for this episode today, so many movies came to mind, 10 Things I Hate About You, Never Been Kissed, A Cinderella Story, Drive Me Crazy. The list can kind of go on and on and on. Some girl or guy is considered, quote unquote, undesirable for whatever reason and wants so very badly to be one of the popular people. Suddenly, out of nowhere, they're given some bizarre chance to change everything about themselves to become attractive to these popular kids, even changing their personality. They begin to enjoy all that they thought that life would bring, but then there's some eye-opening moment, some life experience that makes them realize how much they've given up to make this change. Then comes the regret and the attempt to go back to how things were with no real change, right? But then there's the catch. The old friends say, oh no, oh no, no, you don't. You abandoned us. You've made your choice. Now you have to go live with that. And then that person has some big grand gesture that shows how authentic they're really being and those friends eventually welcome them back into the fold and all is well. And of course, since these movies are targeted for teens, the unpopular person, quote unquote, ends up dating the most popular person that they've had a crush on for the whole time anyway and, you know, all is well that ends well. So, all right, maybe the Israelites don't follow that script exactly, but you get what I'm saying here, right? Israel wanted what they saw in all the other nations around them. They wanted worldly wealth. They wanted to be desired by others in those nations. They wanted to be considered successful. They wanted to be considered beautiful. But in order to obtain these things, they had to embrace or worship the idols of the world. To be fair, I guess, most Israelites continued offering sacrifices and following the customs and traditions of their heritage. But it's more like they just added on all these other gods on top of God. So they would do what they knew they were supposed to do. But then they'd also pray to the sun god in hopes that he'd make their crops grow. And then they could sell those and they could become wealthy. And they offered sacrifices and prayed to the fertility gods or the goddesses and in hopes that they would have a baby and have a family. And honestly, it seems like they were just kind of throwing everything at the wall in hopes that something would stick. In doing that, they were actually showing just how little faith they had in God, and they were revealing what was really in their hearts. So once again, we see that it, it comes back to being a heart issue. I swear we talk about this every week. It's a heart issue. The Israelites wanted prestige, money, love, and success, and it didn't really matter to them how they went about getting it. And God, he decided to let them have it all, but he took himself out of the equation When Israel realized that there would be natural consequences for their sin, like um, war against their nation, that's when they cried out to God. It's like those friends who only call you when they need something, right? Eventually you stop answering those calls because it's not a sincere friendship. They're just using you. And just like that, the Israelites cried out to God, but only with their voices, not necessarily with their hearts. They were just using him to get out of a tight situation. See, they knew that in the past, if they called out to God, he answered and saved them. But their wash, rinse, repeat cycle was detrimental to their true relationship with him. And and they had to have a moment of clarity, a moment when they could really see that God wanted more than a crisis management kind of relationship with them. And so he allowed them the desires of their heart. He allowed them to do what they wanted and allowed them to face the consequences on their own. When Israel realized what was going on, of course they cried out to God because, well, not only has that always worked in the past, but this was, you know, this is what they did. But this time, God said no. And though it took some time, and I mean, if you really look at it, it says that God became angry with them and sold them into servitude to these other nations. And it says that that year, those other nations crushed them. And they continued to do so for 18 years. Israel still didn't cry out to the Lord. After those 18 years, the Ammonites came after them. And then, and then they became distressed and cried out to the Lord. Guys, that means they went longer than 18 years, not realizing that they weren't right with God. What in the world? Like that really says something, doesn't it? If you're not right with God, would you know it? Would you realize it? I know that for me personally, when I'm messing up, I get this weird yearning feeling inside. Like it's a feeling that can't be silenced until I'm connected to God again. I don't know what that looks like for you, but that's what it feels like for me. And the book of Judges is saying that they dealt with this for more than 18 years. And finally, after 18 years plus, the Israelites realized that something was amiss. Hey, something's not right here. And they cried out to God. And he told them no. I'm sure it couldn't have been an immediate reaction, but eventually the Israelites did some like real soul searching and figured out that they had messed up. And Judges chapter 10, verses 15 through 16 says, But the Israelites said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. Then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord, and he could bear Israel's misery no longer. You know what that tells me? That even after all that, God couldn't bear To turn them away forever. When the Israelites truly came to him with a correct heart, he heard them and he couldn't bear to leave them in their misery. Guys, he's still the same God today as he was then. So that means that when we recognize our sin and we come to him with the right heart, he's not going to leave us in our misery. He's not going to leave us in our sin. Might not be easy. There still might be consequences, but he will hear us and he will respond. The Israelites recognized their sin and they got rid of all those foreign gods among them and served the Lord. And that was a lot of foreign gods. I mean, we've read through that list. They had gods from like every nation around them and they got rid of all of them and they served the Lord. So something good did come from this experience. It just took some time. And do you know why? Because people are stubborn. Gosh, aren't we though? So stubborn. Earlier in this episode, I said I wanted to talk about this today because I've been thinking about it a lot and how it relates to our world today, because, you know, honestly, I don't think our foreign gods have changed that much from these Old Testament days. What do people want so badly today? Money, beauty, acceptance, notoriety, success. We've talked about this before, but remember none of these things are bad or evil in and of themselves, but often these are the things that overtake our hearts. Our hearts are such a fickle thing, aren't they? And sometimes when something other than God is in our heart of hearts, it pushes him out. It changes us. We do everything we can to strive for what we think we want and that causes us to turn from him and focus on whatever it is that we're longing for. And sometimes he lets that happen. I personally think that he gives us warnings to turn back to him, much like he did with the Israelites. He gave them lots of warnings. He warned them with prophets and with events that happened in their world to come back to him. What on earth is he going to do with us, his people of today? As a people, Christians have turned their back on God. Not every one of us, of course, but as a People. We're not living like Christ followers. I've talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago in the um, religious versus Christ follower episode. We can't change what the Bible says to fit our narrative. And that's what many Christians are trying to do these days. And I'm not just talking about the churches that are trying to rewrite what the Bible says about homosexuality or anything like that. I'm also talking about those who are choosing hate over love. Because who has ever won anyone over for Christ with hate? I'm talking about the people who are sacrificing everything for social media fame. Those who are adjusting their behaviors just a bit or more to fit in with a certain crowd or a group. Those who are deciding that something, anything really is more important than God himself. We've been doing it for so long as a society of people that we probably, we don't even recognize we're doing it anymore. How far is God going to let us go? before he decides to give us the desires of our heart. I'm telling you guys, I think it's coming. I think we've already been warned. And here's what I see when those warnings come. Something major happens, and there's like a two-week revival period where suddenly everyone is all about God again, right? We're going to church, we're raising our Christian flags, and we're you know, connected to our fellow Christians. And then what happens? Wash, rinse, repeat. Doesn't that sound familiar? How long is he going to let it go on? He can't be the just God that he is if he continues to allow us as a church to turn away from him. He doesn't want a crisis management relationship with us either. I'm so thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit in me that tells me when I'm pulling away, that weird yearning feeling I get when I'm taking steps away from God. I'm so thankful for that. And I hope that you all get those strange yearnings too. And I hope that you're listening. I challenge you this week to examine your heart. Examine what lies in your heart. What are, where are you spending your energy, your time, your money? That's what's important to you. Wherever you're spending those things, that is what is important to you. And that's what's in your heart. Is it matching up with what you know of God through his word? Next week, we'll be starting our Ruth study, and I think you might really be surprised at what all Ruth can teach us, so I hope you'll be joining me on those studies. I'll talk with you all then. Bye.